This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by One Dollar Genre. Hey everybody, it's AJ here. Just letting you know that I have started a new project called One Dollar Genre, and here is how it works. Um, this year, or next year, 2022, I aim, my New Year's resolution, I aim to make one film a month. So that's 12 films, 12 short films, I should say. Um, and I want you guys to be involved. And the way you can be involved is over at patreon.com slash genre. If you go on there uh, for $1, donate a dollar, and every month you will get to suggest and vote on the genre of the next short film I'm going to make. Does that sound like a familiar business model to Cole Popsha? Maybe. Maybe I saw something that worked and thought maybe I could do it again. So, if you want to get involved, head on over now. There is a poll going as this episode has been released for what the genre of the first short film of the month will be. You can go over there. You can suggest anything from rom-com to Soviet propaganda. Whatever you think is a genre, suggest it. And if it gets enough votes, I will make a short film based on that suggestion. Um, this is a super exciting project. I'm really excited about it. So I hope you guys are all really excited for it too. Uh, you can also follow $1 genre on twitter and instagram and subscribe to a youtube channel but the main thing is the patreon so if you want to support aj and a new project and you want to make me make something stupid or cool up to you then head on over to uh one dollar genre patreon.com slash one dollar genre and get involved um some of you are already there already and I, I really appreciate that so uh yeah cool let's get to the episode Merry uh, yeah. couple of days Ish. after Christmas. Is it not? Oh, it's, cool. it's not New Year yet. I, I don't. I'll think, check. Right? Uh, no, it's the twenty seventh. Recording this ahead of time. So, yeah, yeah. To, whoa, what an energy to start the show. Last with, episode uh, of the year. Oh, we is made it? it. It is. It oh wow, be. we finally we made it through twenty twenty one. Yeah, <sighs> barely. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, what the fuck is this, bro? What are we well, doing? Well, this is the Cult Popsha podcast, which I, I'm sure you well know. We've been you've been co-hosting it for fucking five years. I've never heard of that. Well, who is who is this man? The, it's a me, Mario. He looks just like me. <laughs> He's just like me. I'm just like you, <laughs> like the Barbie thing. Thank you. That's right, it's Barbie. We're returning to the wonderful world of Barbie. Yep. The joke uh, would be if we were doing Barbie, I should have made... We're returning to the wonderful world of the MCU. Just kidding, it's Barbie. Well, yeah, we actually were planning to do, to return to the, the, the wonderful world of Barbie at some point this year, but then it just kind of never came to fruition. But yeah, no, we are returning to the MCU mm. because you may have noticed there's been a lot of MCU things released this year, of the MCU, of course, being the Marvel Cinematic Universe for those not in the know. But um, yeah, the, the, since... So we did, um, in anticipation of Avengers Endgame, we did... A big series of covering the films of the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, 
for, we did that in episodes because they were, they were very clearly marketed and released in um, phase one, phase two, and phase three. And they've mm-hmm. kind of said they're doing away with phases, but it's also kind of referred to as phase four, what they're doing now. But they're just going such full steam ahead with films and releasing so many of them in such a short amount of time that by the time we got to all of phase four being out, it was going to be like 15 TV shows and 10 movies. So it just seemed unreasonable to wait and wait for that. And then we didn't want to, because I feel like the, the MCU is, is such a large part of like the cultural zeitgeist that we didn't want to make the conversation exclusive to Patreon. So uh, we had the idea to do that, you know, from, from here on out. Uh, maybe if you you know if you guys think this is a good idea, um, we'll do a Marvel retrospective each year, uh, divided into today's episode is going to be on the Marvel movies released in 2021 because there was four this year, the most they've ever done in one year, uh, and then in two weeks' time we're going to do the Marvel TV shows released in 2021, and uh, this is more akin to something like the most disappointing films of the year podcast that we do rather than an episode of film franchise fortnights or film franchise follow-ups um by that i mean we haven't re-watched the films specifically for this because uh like well because they're marvel movies and they're, they're, they were the peak of discussion in cinema for you know weeks after their release i feel like they stick in your mind a lot clearer than mm-hmm. you know phantasm 4 does sure and they because they didn't marvel didn't release anything in 2020 is that right that's correct isn't that crazy then that they went from the the, the first year and 10 years where they didn't release anything to releasing the most that by far because it's not just the movies it's the Mm. four tv shows which is insane that they released four tv shows i think that's crazy that like one would have been five tv shows five yeah that's so one division falcon and winter soldier loki what if and hawkeye oh my god like why why is that considered like like TV shows take longer to make. <laughs> they, yeah. they 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 are longer. They take longer. Well, it's to- because they held. They were supposed to release a bunch last year, and just yeah. held stuff yeah, over. Right. But yeah, the, um, I mean, we could have done almost all of our film franchise follow ups be Marvel this year. Yeah, that's true. But so we decided to not let ourselves do Marvel. Mm. Um, and apart also, from we did Venom too. One thing we should yeah, which is I guess uh, the new MCU adjacent. Yeah, Sony verse weird. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as well as this, um, it's worth, it's worth saying as well that there is not currently, if you, if you go and listen to the three phases we did back in mid 2019, um, there is not currently a free way to listen to our discussion on Spider-Man Far From Home, which I'm very sorry. We were, we, we've been juggling around the podcast schedule a lot recently of like upcoming episodes. And, uh, one of them was going to be um another patreon Patreon sample pack pack where i was gonna put far from home film franchise follow-ups in it so that people can listen to that for free so that they can come in informed uh and so you could make a a mega cut of 
Yeah, you know, but but that's not what's going to happen, I guess. So. It, it will it will happen, but maybe not till like March. We're thinking mm. uh, it'll become apparent um, <laughs> as the year so continues. Look forward for for a, a dud bonus or a dud uh, Patreon sample pack episode that I know you all hate. Uh, <laughs> look forward to that in March. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would hate it if I was you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm not. I'm me. And with that, let's comes get great into responsibility. It. <laughs> yeah. So the first Marvel, the four Marvel films released this year were uh, the long-awaited Black Widow, uh, directed by Kate Shortland, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, directed by Destin Daniel Credin, uh, Eternals, directed by Chloe Zhao, and Spider Man No Way Home, directed by John Watts. Um, if you're listening to this and just yeah, blanket sort of thing. Uh, won't be spoilers for No Way Home until we start talking about No Way Home. And so we will make that clear when we're beginning that conversation. But you've got probably over an hour's worth of content before we get to that point. Or not. I don't know. I have I I I I cannot tell the future. I don't know how long no how long we are going to talk. This could be 45 minutes long this could be three hours long who knows and so, it's not like i'm sitting in a sweltering hot loft and would love to get to for this not to be three hours i have i have dinner plans too so you know, <laughs> yeah yeah you said that thing like tone of like aj it's the podcast it's not up to us buddy we've all got to make sacrifices <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, Black Widow. It came out in June um, twenty twenty one. So um, this one was um, you know supposed to come out last year, uh, obviously, but due to the pandemic, it was delayed. It was original release was May twenty twenty. Got delayed three times due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, this one was released simultaneously in theaters and on Disney Plus's premiere access. Um, mm, so where you could pay. Uh, in New Zealand, it's forty dollars to unlock it, and then after a few months, it's just free on Disney Plus. Anyway, so AJ, what is Black Widow about? So Black Widow was set. Oh God, Black Widow! I should you should I should have realised that this was my responsibility before mm. we recorded. Uh, it is set between Captain America: Civil War and Avengers: Infinity War, and it is about uh, Black Widow, aka Natasha Romanov. Scarlett Scarlet Johansson um, and it's it's sort of this um, adventure she goes on between those two films while on the run from the government after the Sokovia Accords and all that sort of thing that stuff that happened in Civil War um, and she's she's essentially on a mission to um, find like the truth about her past and free the uh, other Black Widows from the Black Widow um, program program that she was a part of and along the way she's joined by her sort of not really family which includes um a fake mum a fake dad and a, a fake sister or are they real brother the real sister uh, yeah, fake sister okay um and they they you know once existed as a as as russian plants in the usa before defecting back mm. to russia um and they include um David Harbour, who plays, uh, what's his name? Reed Guardian, which is like a mm. knockoff Captain America. Um, there's also um, uh, Rachel Weitz plays the mum. And uh, Florence Pugh plays um, the younger sister, uh, who is also trained as a Black Widow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so the film very much feels like a it's it's an origin story for Florence Pugh's character, uh, Yelena Belova, as much as it is an interquill for um, Scarlett Johansson. What did you think? So the, the villain in the film as well, um, we have Taskmaster, who, um, you know, the, the, the Taskmaster's ability is like sort of in a photographic memory, an ability to perfectly imitate anyone's fighting style and kind of goes through like a greatest hits of mm. some of the Avengers. Uh, from something i didn't realize was happening because i guess i just don't commit fighting styles of characters to memory well i mean it's when you know it's like having a shield um doing the bucky's knife flip he always does um and yeah well that's what i mean i didn't know i didn't know bucky had a knife flip (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's that's very much on you (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so taskmaster who turns out to be uh, the daughter of Drakov, who's like the film's main villain, who's the head of the Red Room, and I would say feels very much like a Harvey Weinstein kind of character. Would mm. you agree that this this film feels very much like a the uh, like a post Me Too? Um, yeah, yeah. One one of the one of the things I remember from seeing this six months ago um, that I really liked in it was when um, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson are like sort of uh roasting david harbour and they just casually mentioned that their like ovaries were cut out mm. and it's it's maybe one of the like darkest pieces of dialogue and or implications mm. in the mcu i thought but i i appreciated the film being like no no this is full-on like trafficked like this isn't Disney trafficking. This is real. <laughs> this ain't your mama's trafficking. This is real <laughs> child soldier trafficking, um, and I appreciated that. I thought that was that was a that was a cool way to show how serious it was. Mm. Um, and yeah, definitely me too. Harvey Weinstein kind of character. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, um, it's what did what did you think of the film? So I've got a new rule of thumb with Marvel. And that's whenever I see an MCU film, I'll rate it however I feel. And then two weeks later, I'll take it down half a star <laughs> because <laughs> usually that is how I end up feeling. And this is maybe a really, really good example of that, of a film that when I, when I saw it, I was like, that was great. We're so, I'm so glad to be back in Marvel. And then two weeks later, I was like, that wasn't that good. Yeah, I don't really care about it that much. Um, it's it feels like it belongs in the corner of the MCU, occupied by like your Captain Americas, and that's probably it. To be honest, I don't think any other uh, the other ones <laughs> fit into that the sort of espionage, secret agent kind of world that that the Captain America films occupied. Mm. I I would say that the film, uh, while being good, and it's kind of like what you're saying is that I don't think it was it was good, but it wasn't good enough to justify its own existence. Yeah, and and a big part of that is when it came out in the chronology because, and I've been saying this for years ever since we found out that we got we were getting a black black uh, widow prequel and knowing that she was that she dies in Endgame, I was like, you you can't just bring out a pre. In my opinion, you can't just bring out a prequel. You've got to justify it narratively why are we being told this information now and i think the movie would say we're telling you this information now because florence Pugh is a new 
yeah. big character. Um, and I guess that that kind of does it for me, but at the same time, this would have been so much better if it had come out at the time it's set, like between yeah, exactly. Civil War and, and Infinity War. Because it would have made sense to do like a smaller scale film there as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it so clearly should have come hmm. out there. But then also... And, if it had come out in that like sort of 2016, early 2017 thing, that was before the idea of kind of like women being people and having their own agency was really <laughs> a thing um, with like the the Me Too movement obviously being mm. like 2017. So people would have seen this this character played by Ray Winstone and been like, uh, d- not really seeing an allegory What did he here. do wrong? Sorry. Yeah, that, yeah. That'd see that and be like, wow, Marvel are finally doing sympathetic villains. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so and and I think I you joke, but I think there is you know there obviously is influences in this film that maybe wouldn't have existed in 2017. Like mm. maybe they they wouldn't have been thought to do this. And I believe the the ultimate reason why it took so long to get a, a Black Widow solo film, despite her being an an OG Avenger, it was like Ike Perlmutter being one of the producers at at marvel who basically blocked anything that wasn't a white man from like being the main character Mm. in a marvel film because he didn't think they would sell toys or something stupid like that yeah it it, it definitely it felt like an apology from feige to johansson and what happened she fucking sued everyone yeah yeah (laughs) what a mess what a mess of a production like she she was she was right but it's still like what a sad I mean it's not that sad. I guess it's just people making money hand over fist still. Mm. But you know, what an interesting um what an interesting fallout for and like all these all this kind of stuff surrounding this movie, which ostensibly is about as good as Marvel movies have been, you know, for you know, like it doesn't stand out. It's not a standout Marvel movie, I guess. And so yeah, I thought I thought that um I liked I liked a lot of it. I just it it feels frustrating to be watching it here in this time. And yeah. I remember going into it being like, "How are they like?" Because it's weird. You you wouldn't think they would just do a single Marvel movie. You you know, everyone's got their own trilogies or whatever, except for Incredible Hulk, for various mm. reasons. And I guess if we do get a Black Widow two, I guess it'll be a Yelena mm. led one. So I guess you still can do Black Widow two can that be yeah. my continue the franchise <laughs> <laughs> um what do you think do or do you remember what this has on rod tomatoes um 86 79 so that is one of the lower ones definitely mm. yeah this this again actually what we spoke about last week this has one of the very um like cynical kind of looks but like it is it is just completely it's a marvel thing like making fun of ourselves because um that's like yelena's character is like making keeps on making fun of scarlett johansson's character for you know being like a superhero landings superhero landings shit like that but then they they kind of want to have their cake and eat it too a little bit Mm -hmm. that it's like they still want florence Pugh to look cool and dramatic when she does those things and that's the way to do them but then they have her character just point them out but they still do them there's also an interesting thing so this was directed like it was directed by a woman um kate shortland but i think this film more than any had like really gratuitous shots of um scarlett johansson's butt really yeah um like so many times when the, the camera would be framed 
like so it's literally just one side of the screen is her butt and then mm. the other half of the screen is what she's looking at it's, it's such a weird thing like like it's it's weirdly the most perverse cinematography in a way uh, i think i feel like avengers was pretty bad yeah i mean a, a lot of them are pretty bad but it's it's, it's an interesting choice it's, it certainly mm. is um the, the the fact that it was it was notable but it's like at the same time like i mean scarlett johansson probably want like she probably doesn't have you know it's like yeah my my butt look good my butt looks good like you know women can equally want to show off their bodies as much <laughs> as um people want to see it you know yeah they're allowed yeah they're allowed and all you men out there um saying yeah. they're not allowed <laughs> um you're just as bad as Drakov. <laughs> This film does have a post-credit scene, but much like we did with uh, when we cover the MCU, we will talk about all the post-credit scenes um, at the end. Uh, no Stan Lee cameo on this one. I guess this is the first one not to have one. Um, Was he in Endgame? Uh, he is in Endgame, yeah. He's in um, the when they go to the S.H.I.E.L.D. base in the 60s. Was he in Far From Home? Um, Stan Lee cameos. Maybe he wasn't in Far From Home, actually, right? Wasn't Venom the last thing he cameoed in? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, no, so Avengers Endgame was the last one in the MCU that you're right. Yeah, anything else you want to say about... No, I think, but I think it speaks to it, this. This movie has the the as unfortunately the least memorable one, and also the one I saw the most amount of time ago. So that's an unfortunate, um, mm. <laughs> you know, coupling of of things stacked against it. But I mean, I should we do we, last time we kind of talked about our rankings. I think. Oh I yes, tell, bring up my MCU ranking. Good I can point. tell you where I ranked it. Um, so this is including uh the most of the tv i've added tv shows to my mcu ranking oh uh, yeah i'm not doing i that. just feel like it's more about it's not about them being movies though is my yeah opinion. it's about drive it's about power. it's about power it's about hung um so i've currently got black widow um at 18th uh which is just behind guardians of the galaxy and in front of things like iron man 2 ant-man ant-man and the wasp captain marvel that sort of thing yeah so, uh, i've got it at 19th so this is um uh, out of 27 my one is and it's just above captain marvel just below ant-man mm. now that's <sighs> you know a middling place for a middling movie <laughs> mm-hmm. so next film uh we had a few months later and this was this i didn't see till you know quite a bit later because i was in fucking lockdown when it came out um but you got to go to the cinema to see it mm. uh that is shang chi and the legend of the ten rings um, mm. So yeah, directed by Jason Daniel Credin. This one uh, had an earlier release on Disney Plus than I think it would have been um, otherwise due to the pandemic. Um, but it came out on Disney Plus Day. It was like part dis- this year. Disney Plus did like a big thing. So what is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings about? Uh, so it's about a guy we haven't seen before named Shang Chi, who was the um, the the like uh, martial arts expert. Expert, sort of expertly trained martial arts guy um and son of the mandarin uh the mm. real mandarin Whoa. um and there's 10 rings that are that the mandarin wears on his wrist that are that gives him heaps of power and him and a bunch of fun side characters um travel to um fight what are they trying to find the 10 rings 
Are they trying to find the tent? No, they're trying to find a village, aren't they? Yeah. Like Shangri-La or something like that? Uh, it's not Shangri-La, but yeah, very similar. Yeah, and he fights a dragon. That's what yeah. it's about. <laughs> yeah. I'll pull up the... the uh, well, so it's a, um, Wenwu, the Mandarin, wants to open this gate and release um, the, the this like soul-consuming demon. Mm. And then the, so they... Um, they go to this village um, to protect it and keep the gate shut. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, yeah, so it stars uh, Simi Liu as uh, Sean or Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Aquafina as his platonic best friend, which is like a, a fun, um, you know, change of pace. Um, you got Benedict Wong shows up and he fights uh, Abomination from... Um, mm. from Incredible Hulk, which is like a fun sort of thing there. Um, Bringing their forgotten movies canon back into the frame. Yeah. You got uh, Tony Leung as Wenwu, his, um, Sean's father, who is the Mandarin, as you mentioned. Um, but then also a familiar face um, who once went by the Mandarin. Uh, you got Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery in mm. what you would expect to be a very brief cameo in the film if to appear at all, but then mm. just shows up and then is in the rest of the film. Um, and it felt like a, dis- a creative decision made by me, Richard. It felt like if I was working in the MCU writer's room and I said Trevor Slattery should show up and be in the rest of the film, I would have to fight to make that happen, and you'd hear it is. So I very much enjoyed the return <laughs> of Trevor Slattery. Yeah. We also have um, uh, a character called Razor Fist who's played, did you recognize him? No. Um, he's maybe. played by a guy called Florian Montano, um, who you may remember played Victor Drago in Creed 2. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, he's the guy that has uh, a machete for his right hand. That's right. Yes, I remember him. Yep. Mm. So this this one did really didn't didn't this get like crazy high critic scores and, and stuff? Uh, like that? Yeah, what would like, you what would you what would you think it has on Rotten like Tomatoes? Ninety seven, like something. I I read at the time. I remember reading Shang Chi is now the highest rated comic book movie of all time, or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's ninety one percent. So it's it's gone down since you read that, presumably. Mm. But yeah, no this this film uh it, it's very very solid film i think mm-hmm. and a lot of people really enjoyed this the uh, specific praise a lot for wenwu the villain you know that they're having uh, the the main villain be a, the the main character's father is like a good choice and yeah it's just like it, it's I don't know. It, 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 I don't think it does anything particularly. Spe- it's not like you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok, where you watch it and you're like, you know, this completely. It feels like nothing else in the MCU, and it, it completely stands out. This is just like a very solid entry, and is hard to fault in any major way. And yeah, while yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, it's 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 just a, it's a rollicking good time. When and the, not to wade into the the very different ways you and I rate rate films on letterboxd i saw this with my friends kate and josh and after it finished i pulled out my phone logged it on letterboxd and logged it four stars and they were like why aren't you giving it five stars and i was like i'm not gonna five stars are you crazy what if someone sees (laughs) i just thought that was a crazy thing like i was like this is a maybe for me anyway it was like a slightly above the uh, the rest marvel movie um 
is not not all of them but like like slightly above average marvel movie to me and like the idea of rating that five stars i thought was laughable richard <laughs> and um and then uh, uh, two weeks later i took it down to three and a half stars which most marvel movies are mm. for me i think i don't know i thought um there's some stuff i really liked in it but but i think a marvel movie's got to really play with the form for me to like be super into it these days like mm. the ones you mentioned are great examples of guardians of the galaxy and and thor and um and the avengers movies often do it and i i don't know i think um i think th- there's a really there's a really really fucking cool scene towards the start of this movie where you first see his martial arts skills and it's on like this this the tram bus. Yeah. this bus and um in san francisco um and when that was going on i was like wow this is new stuff i haven't seen anything yeah, like a fight great choreography scene. yeah yeah i haven't seen anything like this in the mcu and then that scene kind of remained the high point of the movie for the, the mm. rest of it like they don't really do they do they do other great fight scenes but none of them have like the fun or energy of the bus set piece i didn't think um, yeah i get that there's yeah. like a scaffolding fight scene that's quite cool mm. um yeah i mean i gave this five stars i'm i'm very much a like if i enjoyed a film you know I, I i don't like the idea that five stars should be unattainable i've said this many times on the podcast before and um, i do <laughs> uh, yeah that, i cherish the idea of them being unattainable yeah, like, um uh is it pitchfork i think only gives like i like one perfect score to like an album once every 10 years right that's also stupid yeah, it was Kid A in 2001 and then, or 2000, and then My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in 2010, and then a Fiona Apple album in 2020. And it's like literally once every 10 years they do it, um, which is stupid. And I, I hate the idea that, you know. We're at broadcasting school, didn't give anyone top marks for our first major assignment and said that we're too inexperienced to be able to get top marks. And that created a massive conversation around, um, you know, like, well, you should be marking us to the ability we're able to reach not mm. the ability of what you know where, where we'll be in a couple of years time and that was yeah. a massive massive I, I i hate that shit and like because people say you know like no one should be able to get like there are you get tutors that say that you know there's no such thing as a perfect score and all this stuff and it's like you know to them they're thinking like god i'm just motivating these youngsters and to me that goes well you're never gonna get a good score so mm. why try and so I just go, okay, sweet. Well, I'm not going to try in your fucking class then. Yeah. And look, that's not how I treat movies or even the MCU. I have five star movies. Do you know what I don't have? I don't have a single four and a half star movie ranked in my MCU rank. Interesting. <laughs> they, they go from five to four and then every other number from four to, I think, two and a half is represented. But my, there's no four and a half. My four and a halves in the MCU are Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. The Avengers, Black Panther, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Although I'd probably give all those five stars. These days. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, our ratings are, are arbitrary, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, Shang Chi. So you think didn't didn't completely shake up the formula? I under- so this is one of those things where, um. Uh, and this it's uh, it's tiptoey ground because this got a lot of praise for being like you know the first asian american 
Marvel superhero and all that stuff. And like, I think it resonated with people who are really into martial arts movies, which I am not really. I don't really like martial arts movies that much. And so I think this is one of those things where it's like all, you know, 100% all due respect to people who saw themselves in these characters. Like, of course, but, but for me, it didn't, that wasn't enough for it to feel like it's particularly better than most of the MCU stuff. Something I've become, I think, probably more cynical about since we recorded the MCU episode. I think when we recorded the MCU episode, I, I was a lot more wide-eyed and, you know, took every movie as it was. And Well, it's pre-Endgame and post-Endgame, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and now, now I'm just like you've really got to do something interesting to impress me. I think I think people talk about Captain Marvel a lot this way, where it's like, you know, like kind of unimpressive despite being a fun time when you watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Doctor Strange for me was kind of the breaking point where it's like, I mean, I know when, when we saw it together, you said that it was the future of the MCU and that it was probably the best MCU movie yet. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say uh, it was the best one yet. I remember saying something along the lines of it's the future of the MCU, which isn't necessarily a bad take. I think yeah. that you could argue that. I didn't, I never thought it was the best one. Yeah. It, it's, I think Doctor and then Strange. And we watched it, I really didn't like it that much. So. Yeah. Do, well, Doctor Strange for me is the turning point where it became too late to still be doing an origin story or like mm-hmm. that kind of origin story. Cause like Shang-Chi is actually a great example of an origin story. This is like how he became the superhero, but it's not him getting his powers and learning how to use them and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I mean, he does sort of learn to master the rings, but that's like, as he sort of obtains them through, through a fight with his dad. Mm. But, and yeah. also his superpower is just, he was, he's really well trained. It's yeah. not like he was, you know, had any kind of like super super origin. Yeah, or anything. but it is like he when we when we meet Sean and his friend Katie, they're just you know a couple of broke valets who are dreaming about owning a fancy car, and then the bus fight scene happens where he reveals like I'm actually real fucking good at martial arts because you know they start to pick a fight with him and and Katie Orkafina's character is like, come on, like fucking does he look like he can fight? And then he you know beats mm. the shit out of all of them, and. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I actually, um, yeah, I, I like how this sort of treats being an origin mm. story. One thing I like about this movie is that Aquafina makes two separate vagina jokes, and mm. I like to think there was a stipulation in her contract because it's Aquafina and she loves vagina jokes. Because there's a part on the do you remember the, the bus, jokes? Yeah, there's a part on the bus where she goes, she's looking at like some, um, I think she's looking at uh, a woman who's like like well dressed and like looks like she's got her shit together and says something like that's the kind of girl my mum wishes she squeezed out her vagina which is a crazy line for the MCU and then later on um uh it's she she makes a joke she, I think she she decides to change her name as a joke to to Gina or something like that <laughs> um like I think you mean Gina or something like that and I remember like both times being like there's two like not only are these two separate vagina references they might be the first two vagina references in the entire series, <laughs> the entire cinematic <laughs> universe, because it just feels like it's it'd be so like, um, no, no, we're Disney, we're Marvel, we can't have that. But like, it's Aquafina, so that's sorry, you've got to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally broke her teeth on writing songs about vaginas. So. Broke her teeth. What's isn't that the term? <laughs> Cut her teeth. Cut her teeth. She didn't break her teeth. <laughs> yeah. 
This is so much more visceral. <laughs> she didn't literally break her teeth. <laughs> Chomping down on those vagina jokes. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, your Trevor Slattery was good fun as well. Um, it... Uh, yeah, well, like, I like it. I like it because what I don't like is when the MCU or any story uh, abandons stuff, and the MCU mm. has always been surprisingly good at not abandoning things. Like, yeah. and and the big the big one was when they returned to the wonderful world of Thor two and Avengers Endgame, and it was like <laughs> of all the movies you're going back to, you're going back to this one, like the worst, the worst Marvel movie, and um and it's the same with um. Trevor Slattery and it's the same with well, uh, Abomination. Abomination like all these yeah. things I liked seeing because it shows that they are not pretending maybe like certain like controversial decisions or or you know weaker moments in the movies they're not pretending they didn't happen which is something you can't say about something like uh, Rise of Skywalker right like it's it feels mm. like it's a it's a lesson learned from that, that blockbuster series being ashamed of its past you know so mm. I, I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, because also because there was, I mean, we covered it on a Patreon episode, I think, um, but the Marvel one shot, All Hail the King, which mm. has, which is canon to this film, really. That, um, mm. You know, Trevor Slater is in prison for obviously impersonating a terrorist mastermind. And then um, this guy shows up, played by Scoop McNary, who, an actor I could not, pick out of a lineup um even the despite having seen maybe 15 things he's in um and yeah he um he essentially says the mandarin's real and he's pissed off that you made fun of him and then he gets captured and then we see what had happened to him that he's been sitting in a prison cell um with a little um this little like a furball with very ghibli-esque um, yeah with um with no face hmm yeah. And then he shows up and, and, and they take him with him and he continues to and he helps defend Loved the village. It. Yeah. And I think I think Ben Kingsley is why I loved it. I think yeah, if this was a weaker act like if it was like fucking like Will Scoot Ferrell, I'd, or I'd be like no. <laughs> Imagine if Will Ferrell was cast as the Mandarin and the twist was that Will Ferrell isn't the bad guy but he's just a silly goofy guy. Like I'm just now realizing of, co- of course you have to get like a prestige actor for that role otherwise the twist doesn't work. If it was Michael Caine. Yeah, maybe. That'd be, that'd be fucking a crazy role for Michael Caine, mm. wouldn't it? They would never see me coming, innit? <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah. No, good stuff. Fuck, Scoot McNary is in so much shit. <laughs> He's really good in True Detective Season yeah. 3. Yeah, you've mentioned that. Which well, I've you've seen al- part of. You've also mentioned that you don't know who Scoot McNary is before, and I didn't call you out for that, so. Well, <laughs> fuck off. Wow. Okay, I'm trying to count how many. So I've seen a bit of <laughs> True Detective that he's in. I've seen he's in Fargo. He's in My Name is Earl. He's in How I Met Your Mother. He's in Batman v Superman. Yeah, he's. In I remember what he looks like. Once upon a time in Hollywood. In he's in Batman v Superman. He's in Gone Girl. He's in Frank. He's in All Hail the King. He's in Twelve Years a Slave. He's in Argo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in Monsters. Yep, I remember. He's in Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> so that's by my count thirteen things I've seen him in, at least. <laughs> that's insane. 
This guy's this guy's and he has no face. He he doesn't have a picture on his Wikipedia page. I disagree. I disagree. I think he's very noted notable. Like he doesn't even have a picture on his Wikipedia page because they weren't sure if it was him. They weren't sure if it was him or David Desmalchian. (laughs) Do they look alike? You, how would you know, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think David Desmalchian is like one of the most distinctive looking people on His the planet. His star is rising too. Mm. The, these Scoot McNary pictures, you could tell me these are different people. I'm scrolling through his pictures on IMDb. Like, these are not the same person. The fuck is this dude's problem, man? Just look <laughs> more distinctive. Anyway, that's, that maybe that's on me. Yeah, I think it's absolutely on you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I disagree. Anyway. <laughs> no, you don't disagree. You just said that you maybe thought that. Yeah, well, I didn't mean it. So, that's Shang-Chi. <laughs> uh, next up, we had a film called Eternals, once called The Eternals, but now just called Eternals. Uh, directed by Chloe Zhao, who won an Oscar this year for Best Director for Nomadland, which also won uh, I Best say- Picture at the Oscars. Um, I rated, I put Shang-Chi 8th on my MCU. Oh yeah, nice. I put it 10th. One in front of Iron Man 3, the previous appearance of Trevor Slater. Oh, nice. Uh, one is one behind Black Panther and one above a film we're about to talk about, which is Eternals. Mm. So yeah, what is Eternals about? Uh, why don't you, AJ, without looking, list the 10 Eternals? Grogu. Yep. Y- Yogi Bear. Um, generally though, well, let, let, let's do it together, shall we? Do you reckon we can name the ten? Okay, but I get 10? I get Druig. Okay, Druig. Uh, Ajax. Cersei. Fina. Icarus. Gilgamesh. Um, Sprite. Kingo. Is it Kingo? Is Kingo. Kingo? Yeah, well, um, that's probably all I can remember. Uh, Festos. Oh, uh, yep. And Makari. Okay, who are they? Makari was the deaf one. And Festos is um, uh, Brian Tyree. Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. There we go. It wasn't too hard. Yeah. A lot of people shit on this film. <laughs> yeah, uh, people hate this film, man. Like, so this <laughs> this is the lowest rated film in the MCU. Um, it's the only film which has um, a, a, a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, its score is 47. And I think it's this is so stupid. I've been waiting for a platform to talk about The Eternals since it came out. Right? Yeah. Here's what I think. Maybe we should go into the plot first, but screw it. Here's what I think. I think this is not being judged alongside the MCU. I think this is being judged alongside Chloe Zhao and Nomadland. Yeah. I think what a, what its low critic score is because everyone was like, "Wow, Marvel's hired like a pretty hot shot director who's just like made this incredibly like personal just film, Oscar, yeah. just won an Oscar, and they've and they gave her the space movie. Oh, and look how fucking drab it is, and look how boring it is, and look how um." 
flavorless it is and you know what maybe those things are all true but so is half of the mcu like so are half of these movies and they're all fine i i went into eternals expecting it to be horrible i genuinely other than what i've just said can't tell you what people's problem with it would have been because because this is this is because what is the what is the audience score for eternals oh eternals rot eternals rot 78 right it is baffling that the the those scores should be switched everything i know about the world those scores should be switched and the mcu movie that is serviceable and was directed by a prestige director and that maybe wasn't as as flavorful as some people wanted that should still be 78 percent of critics like it whereas the mcu film that features um a very extraordinarily diverse cast has a has like Mm. a a gay character who kisses his husband on screen has Mm. a deaf character who isn't deaf for story reasons the, just the leader to be deaf. is is a woman yeah um, like all these things these yeah. are the things that create a 47 percent audience score yeah. and it's funny it's so funny isn't it that like that that <laughs> feels like that conversation is being avoided i'm not i'm not trying to say i'm that 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 is why it has a low score it's just interesting that like a lot of these things in which critics usually make fun of audiences for not being woke enough to enjoy is it's the, there's a flip there because this you know this is the kind of thing i would have thought a lot of audiences would have hated because audiences are mm. white straight racist men right like yeah. and 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 I, and I say i know that might be a little crass to say but like when you look at other movies that feature non-straight white male characters and massive roles they always take a beating in this mm. you know sense from these kinds of people and i just i'm so baffled by it because not only did i not think this was bad i thought this was pretty good i thought I really it was liked really good. it yeah, yeah same. so i mean i saw i saw this you know quite a while after it came out um you and a lot of people and friends overseas and stuff like that had all seen it and now that we're out of lockdown as well um it, a lot of my friends in Auckland who are Marvel fans didn't rush out to see this one because of the response. Mm. And so, I mean, I did. I, I just thought the soonest opportunity I got. And, yeah, and it came, came to work on Monday and said, I thought Eternals was great. Like, mm. it's um, – I, I, the thing I say and people are like, oh, you know, I'm trying to decide whether I should go see Eternals, is like you will know within the first 30 minutes if you're going to like this film or not because mm. it asks – it very quickly asks you to buy into a lot and asks you to be on board with a lot. And if you're not, it's going to be a fucking slog to get through. <laughs> um, but it's it's just, it, you're introduced to a lot of characters and you are, um, yeah, there's a lot of ex- exposition about who they all are and what they serve. And, and all the characters are so are so distinct and yeah. and well-balanced. I not once felt like it was over-bloated. For a movie <laughs> with 10 headlining characters who I've never met before, I feel like I know who all of them are. I feel like they all got the the, the appropriate amount of screen time for how important they were mm. to the plot. Um, distinct personalities. Yeah, yeah, man. Fun, funny movie. Like, when um, Kingo's, like, director tagged along... Like yeah, the, yeah. the, I was it's, like, it's oh. like a chauffeur, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, excellent! An MCU characters in this movie finally, because yeah, yeah. The, this this is the most DC of all the MCU movies, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. 
Um, and I, Patrick Willems tweeted like Zack Snyder should have directed this, which, you know, I get what he means. And, and when it started, and I think my letterbox review for it was, this is a DC movie. Yeah. This is what DC movies should dream of being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much like the treating, it's the Zack Snyder's Justice League thing of like treating superheroes as gods and like mm. an actual mythology more than anything. Yeah. You know? And the only, the only vague criticism i will have for it is like it's wild how many like earth ending threats are happening at the same time that that aren't related to each other like it's it's not like they don't acknowledge it but like thanos snapped away half the universe in the middle of spoilers for eternals a celestial waking up to destroy the earth you know like it's funny like those two things happened independent of each other in the same time yeah well the he he was because the celestial required a large enough population mm. to be, uh, you know, to be awoken from its cocoon, which is the Earth, and um, yeah, it, the the Thanos delayed that by five years by snapping half the population out of existence. Um, but we yeah, really said what it is about. Yeah, what is it? What, what is it about? So the Eternals are like th- like thousands, thousands of years old, and they basically existed to protect the various planets and the ones we meet are protecting earth from the decepticons what are they called (laughs) deviants deviants um and so that you know they all team up when the deviants start showing up again um and along the way you you sort of learn that there is actually they've, they've everything they've believed is a lie and that their boss who is a celestial is actually getting them to what is it it's like the the this the big celestial put Arisham. the deviants into existence to rid populations on planets so that they could plant celestials in them one well, it's it's to maintain the population long enough so that right. they can feed yeah. yeah right but then they became too mm. too much of a problem so now he created the eternals to take care of that problem and anyway it all turns out that it turns out that that earth is about to blow up and so the celest- mm. the, the most of the eternals change sides and de- decide to defeat yeah the celestials plan and as interesting like so by the end of the film you're not left with you know having to follow 10 characters and remember what sides they're on um icarus is revealed to be evil which i thought was great what a great character to do that with i thought he was the main character going yeah in. and it turns, and it turns out he's e- the evil guy. superman haven't seen that before yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh, Gemma chan's um cersei is very much the main character i think mm-hmm. um but yeah and then um, so Ajak, who is Selma Hayek's character, uh, dies, and she is the one that knew this the whole time and has been knowingly um, letting them grow attached to humans and humanity, um, knowing that they're going to die at some point. Um, and then also um, an interesting thing that you have in the uh, in the final fight is that Kingo Kingo Kamal Nanjiani's character uh, essentially just goes. Uh, he, I, I'm not going to take part in this final fight, and he just doesn't show up for the third act. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, no, no. He, he literally says like, "I'm, I'm not," because because they say because you know, like some of the Eternals are like, "Well, this is this was actually what we were created for, mm. so it's our duty to allow Earth to perish to create a celestial." Right. And the other half are like, "Well, no, we love Earth. We have to let it." And he says, "I'm not going to pick sides. Um, I'm not going to." fight Arisham and I don't want to fight the other Eternals. 
um, because you guys are my friends. I'm gonna, st- right. you know, I, I'll I'll meet you guys afterwards. And mm. so he just yeah he just doesn't he doesn't come with him to the third act, and that's, that's him funny. for the film. Yeah, um, I really liked um, Byron Tyree Henry as what's his name again Mephisto. <laughs> um, and I really liked um, uh, what's his name Barry K- Keegan Barry K- Kogan Barry Co- as, Cohen Cohen as um, as Druig I thought he was great um, and yeah I like Gemma Chan as well I I just I thought this was really good and I was embarrassed I was embarrassed because I was like this I I'm actually going to change my MCU ranking because I put it at fifteenth. I think I'm going to put it high. I think I feel like I need to bring Shang Chi down, and I need to move <laughs> Eternals up. I liked I liked Eternals more than Shang Chi. I, I put them next to each other, but I should, should put Shang Chi higher. But I maybe agree, but I also yeah. don't care. I don't value my ranking enough. No, um, these are all, all everything in the MCU is five stars in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought this was really good, and and was so baffled by the the reception. But yeah, yeah. It, it is a lot. I, I will absolutely, you know, give that that that's not for everyone. But like you said, you would think that that would be, you know, for the critics would favor that. Yeah, it feels like it's a smart movie. It feels like it's prestigious, yeah. and and it feels like little kids won't like it because it's too mature. Mm. First sex scene in the MCU. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like, you, and you know, what how- a sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how we get, um, uh, like you know, every few years a Disney property will have its first gay character. Yeah. Um, and this one actually has them like, you know, properly kiss on screen. Yeah, and it's easily their best first gay character that we've ever done. Yeah, this is the first uh, <laughs> gay superhero we've had. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, not played by a gay actor, but, you know, no. we're getting there. I don't think he's gay, but let's, let's double check that. Yeah, is he? I wouldn't have thought, because I'm so familiar with him in, in like, hyper straight roles, like yeah. Paperboy in, in Atlanta. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, who knows? Uh, it's not on his Wikipedia page. I, a question for and I, I'm I'm not trying to answer this. I'm positing the question. Um, do gay characters need to be played by gay actors? Because I totally understand why, like a trans character should be played by a trans actor, but I don't know if, if it if it the same thing applies to gay hmm, actors. What's the difference? Um. I think because there, because being trans is something that that is a lot more like outwardly expressed, and so, and the 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 if you're a trans actor, then you are missing out on roles. Whereas like a lot of gay actors play a lot of straight characters. Yeah, I think I think that, yeah, that that is like um, the yeah, the, isn't that the question of the day? To quote <laughs> the trailer for Amazing Spider-Man Two, but the um. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is that, like, as long as we're getting enough gay actors playing straight characters, then it's okay, or like, right. you know, somewhat okay. I mean, th- th- there's always going to, th- th- you know, there's always going to be an argument that it's not okay, and that, and maybe that argument is correct. I'm, yeah, I'm and, not, I'm not arguing. I'm, I'm positing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, you know, yeah, like, because because with transgender people, it's very it's very clearly they're not getting the roles and so when there's a trans character it's like well okay there's what like three roles a year you're saying i'm allowed to play and Mm. you give one of them to someone who 
has you a lot of to these Jared experiences. Leno? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, whereas, like, I, I think, obviously, you have such, like, high-profile, like, um, Neil Patrick Harris as Barney Stinson, I think, is actually, like, quite a big, mm. like, push forward for that, like, sure, yeah, no, yeah. you can play these hyper-masculine, hyper-straight characters um, as a gay man. And so I think, that, you know, um, th- as problematic of a character as that is, <laughs> that actually kind of did quite a bit for, for the movie. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, though, um, is there anything else you want to say about this? This, this one obviously has two very noteworthy uh, post-credit scenes, but we will get to those. Um, mm. in due course di- the different breeds of post-credit scenes the the woefully unimportant ones and the, the intensely important ones and and this one has two intensely important ones mm. yeah let's bill skarsgård's in this film as well there you go he was, he was himself the, um, he was the deviant, uh, deviant that like yeah. sort of gains the power of speech Exciting stuff. Good movie. Would love to see a second one. Would love to see Eternals too. Eternals. Eternals. The cartoon. The animated <laughs> series. But Toon is spelled T-U-N-E. Very confusing. <laughs> it's like a pun lost within a pun. Hmm. Story of my life. <laughs> All and right. now a movie I saw recently enough to to actually talk about it. Mm, a movie I've seen twice already, despite having only come out a few days ago. Well, I thought about seeing it twice, and I would like to see it again, but I don't think I will at the cinemas. I don't think I'll get to it again. All right. It's the one you've all been fucking waiting for, you un- impatient little fucks. um that's right uh it's spider-man no way home and i I imagine this will probably have be the one that we have the most to say about um Mm -hmm. so we've probably got more than half an hour i would say at least um to continue talking about um as aj sits there sweating i want to go home i mean i am home but i want to get out of my room Mm. well there's no way home aj wow wow i uh, spider-man i'm already home wow um yeah so this film obviously um there's been uh, almost like in-game levels of hype for this film and same sort of level of secrecy around it um and so you know it's it's been very uh it's the kind of film you want to avoid spoilers for if you haven't seen it get out now uh if you unless you don't care and don't go on youtube because you'll just see them or twitter or tiktok yeah people will just people just play i yeah i've seen so many clips of this film on tiktok again that i'm Mm. i'm so glad i kept off social media yeah yeah i managed to get to the uh not the midnight premiere but the 10 past midnight screening um which was it was i'd recommend doing that because tickets don't sell out as fast and uh it means you can kind of just stroll in while everyone's lined up for the midnight one Mm. so it was fun it was a good time yeah this this was seeing this opening night um with like a crowd who was really into it was just such a magnetic Mm. beautiful experience um and that was the whole reason i went again because i just wanted to see it with a crowd again uh the second time i saw it, the crowd was very subdued so the the twelve ten crowd i can't imagine was as, as rowdy as the 1201 crowd you, you still had quite a quite a impressive crowd reaction at, at certain points didn't you 
yeah so um there were certain points which i you can tell were tailor-made for mm. a crowd reaction that didn't get one but oh, yeah. then there is a certain okay well let's, let's talk about what the film was about movie. let's talk about what the film was about and go into full spoilers um yeah. for this one and then tell me what those moments were so what is spider-man no way home about your last chance um to get out if you're concerned about mm. spoilers this is a complete 100 percent spoiler um including every spoiler every single spoiler the film opens. Ah, oh, <laughs> wait, I hadn't turned off the podcast yet. <laughs> yep, so uh, coming out of the events of Spider-Man Far From Home, where his identity is revealed to everyone as Peter Parker, um, he finds that it's fucked up his life and people are harassing him and and, and his friends in the streets. Um, and then worst of all, they can't get into MIT, the University of Their Dreams, because of, either because they are Spider-Man or th- their association with Spider-Man. <laughs> and so Peter Parker goes to Doctor Strange and says, can we go back in time and stop this from happening? Doctor Strange says, no, but I can make everyone forget. Um, while they're constructing the spell, Peter freaks out because he doesn't want everyone to forget. And um, this ends up fucking up the spell and Doctor Strange gets real mad at him because he finds out that he didn't just ask MIT to reconsider before trying to... Most relatable part of the film, that the entire (laughs) plot happens because Peter didn't want to make a phone call or didn't think to make a phone call. (laughs) Um, But what ends up happening is that dimensional rifts are coming through. And this, as, as I understood it, the riff is predicated off knowing Spider-Man as Peter Parker. Yeah. And so that's why it's not just, that's why the people that come through the rifts are villains from previous iterations of Mm Spider-Man and not just anybody. Because that was my big question going in was like, how does interdimensional multiversal travel know to specify which characters go through? And it's because of the information the, the like multiversal piece of information that yeah. Peter Parker is Spider-Man, I guess. Um, and so you've got a bunch of characters from Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, and The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. They come through, a bunch of villains, and and Peter and the Who gang. Who do we have? Who do we have? Okay, we've got uh, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. We've got Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. We've got Thomas Hayden Church, who's maybe in it yeah. as um, Sandman. We've got, uh, again, Reese Iphens, who's maybe in it as, as the Lizard. Um, and we've also got Jamie Foxx Fox as Electro. Um, the Sinister and, Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, and there are six the, in the film, but we'll we'll get to that. There are there. Well, there's a post credit scene. Six six villains showed up, but one just got drunk in Mexico instead of coming to the oh, fight. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, so uh, and you know a bunch of a bunch of shit goes down, which eventually results. So okay, no, Peter. Peter's like, I'm. I don't want to kill these guys because their their multiversal fate is to be killed by Spider Man. Yeah. And Peter's like, No, I don't want to do that. So he battles Doctor Strange and locks him in an alternate dimension. In the mirror dimension. And then then decides to uh, try and cure all of these villains. Yeah. And so they have this thing where they try and cure all these villains, but um, uh, Green Goblin is incurable ends up uh, he's he essentially acts as if he's already been cured and then turns out there uh it's a real primal fear situation where it turns out that he actually was evil 
So he breaks everyone free, uh, ends up killing Aunt May after she t- and she tells Peter with great power comes great responsibility. And before Peter can go total ham and kill Green Goblin, um, before he goes before, sicko mode. Before he goes sicko mode, um, uh, fucking the other Spider Men show up. Surprise! By by the other <laughs> Spider Men, who do you coming. mean? Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield show up. Yeah. And they all team up to essentially attract all the villains to the Statue of Liberty, the same place um, where they can systematically cure them. Cure them. And then, um, but the, they, they succeed, but then the dimensions are cracking. And so um, Tom Holland, Peter Parker is like, Tell you what, Doctor Strange, make everyone in the multiverse forget that I'm Spider-Man. And so he sacrifices- Well, forget that he ever existed. Yeah. So he sacrifices all of that. Um, So people remember Spider-Man exists, but they don't remember that it's Peter Parker. Yeah. They don't remember that that Peter Parker ever existed. Yeah. So And and then he's alone at the end of the movies. Mm. Spider-Man. He's just a poor college student who made his own suit. But at what cost? Yeah. But at what cost? You know, yeah. he's a poor college student, but at what cost? <laughs> yeah, well, rent's due the first of every month. Um, don't be late. They, well, that is made explicitly clear in the film, but we don't know how much that rent is. Um, oh, so, um, there is also, um, yeah, just and as part of the first act of the film, um, Peter needs to find a lawyer as well, and uh, he finds one, and it's Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, who's Daredevil from the Netflix Daredevil TV show, which is kind of bringing that into the MCU, um, you know, which <laughs> would be like kind of the first uh, instance of that. But then, like on pretty on the same night, almost they um, explicitly brought it into another property, which we'll talk about in two weeks. But yeah, so it's it's a very fan servicey film. It, it, it has a lot of payoffs it, it it's a celebration of kind of of a lot of things and like in the same way the end game is a celebration of the entire mcu this is a celebration of every spider-man film preceding it yeah it's a celebration of spider-man in film yeah. which is very different from an mcu film yeah you know like this this i'm not going to say it doesn't feel like an mcu film because it has doctor strange in it and it does feel like an mcu film but it feels like it's got a completely different mission statement mm, from an assignment that it understood almost, yeah of course from from you know most other mcu films i the first review that i saw of this is before i saw it i saw an av club review that referred to it as spider-man greatest hits which was a pretty good title if they didn't stick with this home <laughs> motif thing yeah it's um it the critical response has been pretty good 94 percent. yeah yeah um so and that surprised me as well so i went into this movie being like and i've been talking we talked about this on the venom uh film franchise follow-ups last month i basically went into this being like how on earth is this gonna be good because you know we didn't know that peter parkers would show up or toby mcguire and andrew garfield but we did know um and it was just sort of like how on earth is this gonna be good it feels like it's such a mash of things together it feels and you know cynically i'm like this isn't filmmaking this is this is theme park ride yeah, well, and like legit, I don't agree with not calling it cinema or calling it saying it's not cinema. I think that's redundant and ridiculous and Reductive. factually incorrect mm. as well. Um, but like, yeah, I can, I, I just, I, I didn't think I was going to be won over enough by nostalgia, um, to be able to see past the flaws of it being a pretty shitty 
design for a movie something because like we also already had this with into the spider-verse which was excellent but into the spider-verse didn't bring in like meta textual elements mm. of like it's an actor who previously played spider-man there was nothing like that in it and going into it i was like see the thing is you could do spider-man no way home with just actors anyone playing spider-man you know mm. bring in anyone who hadn't played him before and it still achieves the same result in the text of the film that it's spider-man mm. from another dimension but they didn't do that and, and i guess i was cynical about it and going to see it when it finished this this cynicism hung over me and while i i loved seeing everyone again um so i i could couldn't tell what i felt about it really i was mm. like I, I i feel hijacked into liking this i feel like with and with endgame i'm able i'm able to i feel like i know endgame for true film snobs is probably a lot you know worse looked upon than i look upon it but like i see endgame as like a culminative uh success you know mm. it's a, it's yeah. a result of a, of a filmmaking experiment which i think is valid whereas this felt felt cash grabby and and nostalgia terror it felt like nostalgia terrorism <laughs> <laughs> and and i was so i wasn't sure and then i watched it and i was like i didn't i don't, don't feel like i hated it and i like seeing it and i i i'll let you say that th your point because i said to you i said in the discord that like I don't feel the same hype I felt from Endgame watching well, this. Well, it's not the, the same as, resonance. Yeah, I, I don't feel... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't feel as fulfilled in the same way um, that Endgame yeah. fulfilled me. And what did you say, Richard? Well, I, said, I said that Spider-Man No Way Home is like the hottest, nastiest, filthiest sex you've ever had mm. with like a porn star, where mm. it's like... it's probably the, the best you've ever gotten off in your life mm. but in game is like making love to your soulmate it's like it's like when when you when you jerk off in the future you're going to think about no way home but you're going to lie awake at night next to in game crying crying you can't have another in game <laughs> right right okay right Right, so in this analogy, Endgame has broken up with me. <laughs> so, yeah. So, oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were saying like I lie in bed next to Endgame, feeling emotionally <laughs> thinking but, thinking about but, No Way Home, but sexually broken. Yeah. Um, uh, and fuck man, what what a what a great way to put it. I a hundred percent agree, and that actually gave me the like mental keys to access my feelings for it. <laughs> and what it, what another way, like a less crude way of putting it, is like yeah, it has all these these cheap tricks in it to make you like a movie. But these cheap tricks are in a movie that's still a pretty good story. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's it's the jump scare of it's like the reverse of a jump scare, where it's like right. it's the thing where it's like you immediately feel the thing. Mm. Whereas Endgame is actually, you know, it's like it, it's the difference between that and actually building atmosphere and all these things that it's like No Way Home will immediately make you be like, that's the guy. Fuck yeah, that moment. Fuck yeah. Mm. But then um, Endgame is a lot more like, oh my God, I can't believe that this is happening. Yeah. Although I can't believe No Way Home. I can't exists. believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Um. I would like to talk about some stuff I don't like about the movie so that maybe we can end on stuff that we can both just yeah. enjoy together. So number one, um, and this this is something I saw early, like when rumors of casting were being, were happening like early last year. Um, I feel like the natural sequel to Far From Home is the first uh, 20 minutes of this movie. Mm. And it feels weird that, it, they feel that this feels like 
it should have been movie three and movie four. I think there's a whole movie's worth in everyone knows Peter Parker's Spider-Man and a whole movie's worth in I'm bringing everyone in from other dimensions. Mm. And I think they wanted to do both and they couldn't decide and they were they felt like they were straddled with the ending of Far From Home. And so it feels almost kind of swept under the rug. What? And I think yeah. people aren't being too critical of it because it brings in Daredevil. And so people are excited about that. Yeah, but it's also like, because the, the, there's the um, One More Day like famous storyline mm-hmm. in um in spider-man history that's like garbage and was done mm-hmm. to um to solve the issue of everyone now knowing that he's spider-man after he announces his identity in civil war and mm-hmm. so it very much feels like but instead of mephisto it's um it's dr strange and so yeah it very much feels like like that's baked into the source material that it's like this is your end point mm. to the thing i did see a funny a, a review that you reminded me of though um before i saw the movie that complained that the first act um serves more to set up the rest of the film than anything else which is the purpose of a first act Right, and also the opposite <laughs> yeah. of what I, what I think is truth about it, mm. um, and it's not even like it's not even like there's a, there's a point where the movie stops being about this one thing. I did think it's weird to build up like how hype it is that um, that like that there's that peter parker's might be in legal trouble and then to immediately be like no i've solved it like you don't see daredevil solve Mm. it he just says he solved it and that's what i'm saying it feels like there's a whole movie that you could do in there um and like there's there are there are bits and pieces of these two different movies that are scattered throughout it with something like the the entirety of the j jonah jameson storyline it's like that's from that first movie that's from the the Daredevil, the one with Daredevil in it, mm. and they've merged them together. And um, I was <laughs> I was waiting for someone for Toby Maguire to see J. Jonah Jameson and be like, "Hey, it looks like that in my universe as well." <laughs> yeah. uh, it feels feels strange that they didn't do that. Mm. Um, so I didn't I didn't really like that kind of the feeling that they didn't like the idea they were can- canonically forced to start with and then abandon it for it for a more exciting idea. The other thing uh, that I, I think the idea, so I've conflicted on this, right? I think it's very uh, unfilmic and uh, and bad, um, kind of not la- not bad or lazy, but like r- takes the romance out of storytelling to just be like, we need to cure the villains. You do that in any movie. You try to cure the villains. Now, I, I'm stopped in my tracks by remembering that in both Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, the villains literally are, like, possessed ostensibly. So it's mm. not... It is a case of curing them. But it felt it felt almost like um, too meticulous of a solution to be like, we are going to cure the villains. Like, I don't know. Like, the idea that, like, evil is a disease and not something that... You know, like the way to cure Electro, as an example, should be to talk to him and help him understand and change his perspective over Mm. the course of days and weeks and months, not, you know, put a thing on him and it, it turns him good again. And so I thought I thought they spent a lot of time on on a, what I thought was a very strange strange plot idea of curing villainy, um, and I also finally, um, I think Aunt May dying is sadder than the movie realizes it is i realizes it's sad but i I think it's sadder than what the movie allows you to feel it it is funny because i actually i thought this while watching it again yesterday 
like Aunt May dies, the the emotional low point of the film. The next scene you're expected to be cheering because Andrew Garfield shows up and Toby Maguire shows shit, up. Shit like that, yeah. So I thought, um, first of all, you know, vague problematic stuff with how many women must die for Spider-Man to learn that great power. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, like also it's just like there is in, in a in a more mature movie, the fact that Peter made a, a arguably selfish decision and went to such extremes of casting a spell to get into college and that resulted in the death of his caregiver in a more mature movie that would be that would have so much that'd be pinpointed and that would be like the entire tragedy of his like the stupid decision you made resulted in her death the movie kind of treats it more as like she died so now i need revenge and not she died and it's absolutely my fault mm. You know, and 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 the movie ends, and he visits her grave, and then he's like, "I'm Spider Man again," and no one knows, and my life's starting again. But it's like, it's just, it's so fucking sad to me that that she died because, like, imagine if you like made a phone call to try and change, you know, say say like say you got. A, a strange anomaly in your bank statement so you called up the bank to try fix it and because of the butterfly effect and because of that call your mum died <laughs> like, you know what i mean like it's it's a, such a it's 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 such a small relative kind of small thing he did that resulted in her death and i feel like that is so tragic and the movie doesn't allow you to feel that and maybe she just shouldn't have died i think oh and also the box that they have at all times that can send all the villains back to their dimensions if they press a button what that's so weird to put that in the movie to put like the solution to all your problems in the movie i think the box should have been destroyed and that should have been the conflict as right, yeah. the, the the box has been destroyed so when you know after after we they, need another way to send them back we need another way to send them back or we need to get dr strange back etc etc it feels weird yeah. that aunt may gets killed by green goblin because other characters have a box that could have sent green goblin back before they, they killed her you know like yeah. it's 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 like a solution they give the characters a solution to their problem yeah so those are the things those are my my issues anyway let, enough of that let, fuck what a good movie though eh? <laughs> oh man so, oh, so what so a my- fucking riot so what were the moments that got cheers and didn't get cheers for you so dear devil showing up my friend josh next to me grabbed my leg and went oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i you know i don't really care about dear devil haven't seen it so it uh, yeah but there was a few me. like oh i think there was yeah, i think there's yeah. a bit of a clap in my, in yep. my um but then it's it's complete silence until the until uh, andrew garfield takes his mask off after coming out of the portal so and, good and oh then, my god and then then the theater went like i literally heard someone in the theater go like oh god like like a relief a relief yeah. like thank god he's actually in it yeah like I, I, thanks so- god um and then the other one was when toby Maguire shows up a couple minutes later everyone was clapping and cheering and then someone yeah. I heard someone go pizza time, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, did you guys have a big cheer as well when um, he when Andrew Garfield saves MJ as well? I can't remember. We, we, I do want to talk about. I do um, want to talk about that scene though. But, but maybe um, what, what, you mentioned that there was some that felt like they were designed for cheers but didn't. I, I can't just, remember. Right. I can't remember. I just, I just remember like feeling like this would have been a cheer in a, in a bigger in a more right. hype cinema. Um, so I, I, the, when when Ned opens the portal, because Ned can open portals in this film, um, he 
and they see like oh that must be him oh it has to be him right and you see a spider-man you can hear like the murmurs like, oh like this is well like, you can like, tell that it's not yeah well, well, he's like suit. very very far in the in the distance like to begin with and you you see everyone realize what's about to happen and you go oh and then he he runs up jumps into the screen it's clearly not his suit um it's the it's the amazing spider-man 2 suit um what a great suit by the way but he um and then he rips his mask off and the crowd went fucking nuts and it was like actually just this like such a beautiful atmosphere and like people are cheering and stuff and it's like the film pauses for applause mm. like which and and then toby mcguire shows up and it's a similar like it, it takes it, it's his face He's is revealed last yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's like and all these things are done like this and then you know you, you hop on twitter and people go oh fucking marvel audiences like the worst part of every any marvel movie is the audience and i i could not disagree more i like I, i've seen ones that have overdone it oh no 100 percent, yeah I've, I've seen clips like where people are actually just going woo, and it's like at, at, at a certain point maintaining that woo you're just you're just maintaining it. It's, you're no longer mm. expressing emotion, and it's like yeah, it's a cool moment, but shut up. So I mean, obviously people had different experiences at different cinemas, but like to me that that's why you go see a film like this on opening night is for those reactions. Mm. And I remember after Endgame thinking like I I can't imagine ever having an experience that good in a cinema again. And I mean, I kind of had it with this, and then I tried to chase that high again, uh, going again, and it was no one. I think there was one clap at one point throughout the film, but it was the like, oh my god, oh my god, that's gonna be, mm. that's gonna be Andrew, you know, um, mm. and like you can hear people realize what's about to happen, and I just and I love that atmosphere so much, and so to all the people, like all these people that are complaining about like the Marvel audiences, I just I'm just like God, I would hate to be that joyless that i can't enjoy that and uh, like again maybe your cinema like completely cheered throughout the entire scene but the movie like pauses for you to have that moment of realization even if it's not applause it's to it's to drink it in and so yeah i i drink drink in this thing we all pretended we didn't know was definitely going to happen yeah which which is kind of one of my other it's not really an issue with the film it's an issue with society (laughs) um but so (laughs) there was nothing in this film that i wasn't expecting sure and like the the multiverse of madness trailer kind of um but i did hop onto a discord to see what other people thought of the film while waiting for the post-credit scene to come up forgetting i hadn't seen the (laughs) post-credit scene um and they said oh yeah we have the multi the doctor strange trailer and i was like oh fuck okay yeah but i mean it didn't spoil what was in the trailer or anything like that so it was cool to see a trailer for the first time in cinema yeah yeah exactly well we'll talk about the post (laughs) yeah but like and and i said this with endgame as well but it's like i hate that leaks have now become like fair game so it's one thing to talk about like sony decided to put all five main villains in the trailer and it's like this is them saying this won't spoil the experience for you um i do wish that maybe they hadn't put the statue of liberty fight in it that it's like i I always like when there's one set piece held for you know the yeah for 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 the actual movie but yeah like with all the leaks of tom holland and andrew garfield it's like no sorry (laughs) so toby mcguire and and andrew garfield we always knew tom holland was going to be in it but um but with mcguire and garfield that people were just like so openly talking about and just sharing these these pictures of and, did and you, of Matt did you get spoiled? what do you mean 
Like, like, were you definitively spoiled that they were in the movie? Um, well, like n- n- nothing one hundred percent reliable. Like, like yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was shown say. things that could easily be Photoshop mockups. You know, I've, I, there's, there's a shot of Andrew Garfield like with his arm over some pipes that was dispelled as yeah, um, a, a Photoshop, and that shot's in the movie, and I was like, mm. damn. I did not. Th- I thought there was a Photoshop. There's also there's also a shot of the three Spider Men, um, like all looking to the right side of screen that's in the film and that was leaked. Mm. But it's like again, that could have been a Photoshop mockup. It was like, it, it was that sense of it's like I know these guys are going to be in the film with ninety nine point nine percent um you know confidence, mm. and then for them to actually show up was like yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And God, Andrew yeah. Garfield must be so relieved now that he can actually talk about his like yeah, yeah. upcoming potential like Academy Award nomination without people yeah. being like, "What about this Spider-Man? Mister uh, Sunday Movies put out a video a few weeks back uh, about like all the evidence to suggest Tobey Maguire and yeah. Andrew Garfield are in it, and it was called the title of the video was "Andrew Garfield is a Liar." Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Okay, I I feel I feel strange about um Doctor the strange. the depictions that that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in terms of the actual meat of their performance something that was couldn't have been spoiled and was easily the highlight of having these characters in it, um because seeing Tobey Maguire again a man who has barely been in anything since yeah. Spider Man it was intoxicating to see <laughs> yeah. him again and to see him be Peter Parker one thing that did that wasn't a problem that I anticipated being a problem, um was. Uh, the fact that the Raimi Spider-Man movies are so tonally different and like real, you know, like the the rubber band of reality is a lot more cartoony. That never even crossed my mind watching it. So well done to John Watts, I guess, for creating mm. a consistent tone for the character. Um, so so it was great to see Tobey Maguire again, and like I'm in love with that character, and like seeing him be Spider Man, and the and, little and bit so where he, where dorkily he, earnest as well. Yeah, where he talks about MJ and that they're making it work, and that's kind of this little like closure that we maybe needed. Um, but I gotta say, Andrew Garfield is uh, like now after this movie one of the best actors I think has been in the MCU, or at least mm. the, one of the best performances because the, you know, and for all, all the trash that his movies get deservedly. So to be <laughs> honest, um, the scene where, so Zendaya MJ falls off the statue of Liberty and, uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker goes to save her. He gets attacked by Green Goblin and can't. And then Andrew Garfield swoops down and catches her. And he's like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah. And looks up at him and goes, are, are you all right? And he, the the look on his face, he doesn't say anything. He shows, he, with, he this, is, yeah. this is acting. This is acting, right? He shows with his performance that he's fi- found closure or redemption for letting, uh, for, you know, not being able to catch Gwen in time and it's this fucking heartbreaking piece of acting and I was like it was the, my, the highlight of the film was his reaction to to yeah. being asked if he's okay after catching her so I really loved that there's a scene earlier than that before the villains show up where they're on the Statue of Liberty and they basically like have a discussion about what it's like being Spider-Man in these various universes and that was um the you know again that's like this is what you do when you you get all yeah. these actors on screen together, and it was a fun conversation. I like that Tobey Maguire mentioned what describes Venom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he's like, "Yeah, I put an alien was a black sludgy alien," and um, then Andrew Garfield's like, "Yeah, guys, put aliens." It's f- so funny because it's like, if you think about it, like 
Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man crossing to this dimension is easily the most um, fantastical thing that will have happened to him in his entire life. Mm. Because those those movies were not very like sci-fi magical kind of mm. thing. Um, whereas these ones are. And and so like all of the stuff is so balanced so well, and like there's there's implications that you don't think about, and that's what that's how they get away with them. Mm. Um I like that they they brought up the um the web shooters yeah, being organic. They had to, yeah. Um, and it's it's weird it is weird to I, I said this when I first saw it this is what I said to the people I saw it with I was like it is bizarre to see fiction bend itself around real stuff that happened that meant that these things you know like the not I, I wouldn't say it's an incidental decision but the the decision that could have easily been something else of making Peter Parker and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man um, have organic web shooters 20 years later needs to be explained in the context of why other altered you know like these these things that are production decisions now have fictional reasons for them and as i was describing this i was like oh wait this happens all the time this happens (laughs) when actors don't return for movies so so i guess it's not that crazy but it's still it's still interesting i guess to see the whole world get on board with with a a dense metatextual idea that every actor who has played a character exists in a larger multiverse and isn't just like completely separated because they're different movies so of Mm. course they're different yeah i mean fuck i'm just what what a hype movie (laughs) like the, the the scene of them talking just like shooting the shit while they're waiting it felt like this is a lot of people are going to complain about this scene. That's how I felt. But I was like, "Fucking!" I, I thought I could, that's I the entire point. Yeah, it's the but entire it, it point of like, bringing them in. Yeah, them just like cracking jokes. But yeah, Andrew Garfield's so good. Like his first scene when he, you know, jumps on the ceiling, and it's like, and then when they he looks so to, happy to be there, learn he to work so as a team, <laughs> and he and and they've got their hands on each other's shoulders, and Andrew Garfield goes, "Hey, I love you guys," and it's so good, and it's like they actually. You know they they are playing the same character essentially, but they are playing these slightly different versions of it. And there are things like, like I said, like Tobey Maguire is kept like really earnest and mm. then nerdy, and nerdy, and then Andrew Garfield is just like having so much fun. And it's like, damn, like he's so good when he's in a good movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one thing though, towards the end of the battle that I was like, why did they do this? Was there's a very, very good moment where um, uh, Tom Holland nearly kills Green Goblin with his own Mm. glider as revenge, and Tobey Maguire jumps in the way of it and holds it there and stares him in the eyes. It's a very Tobey Maguire moment. It is very Tobey Maguire, yeah. Um, And and it's really, really powerful, and then he gets stabbed by Green Goblin from behind. And you're like, oh my God, they're going to kill him? (laughs) And And he's like lying on the ground, Andrew Garfield, tends to him and then he's fine and he's just like yeah happens. i've been stabbed hundreds of times yeah. and and i remember i just i don't get why they stabbed him and what was the point mm. i'm glad they didn't kill him i don't want them to kill him but it felt like a completely empty dramatic moment that you should reserve for a character death yeah that's just used to 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 drum up tension for very briefly in a time where there's already plenty of tension happening you know Hmm. so i don't know i just thought it wasn't um great movie i put this needed. third on my mcu ranking really what's it behind uh avengers Endgame and, Infin- and infinity war i've put it sixth which is behind infinity war iron man black panther avengers and endgame nice 
and I've become a lot more comfortable with that placing as time has yeah. gone on. Um, all right. Well, so just briefly, post credit scenes. So um, Black Widow had. Um, where are we? So, ah, uh, yeah. So we've got. Um, uh, yeah, it's after so now. Flash two when uh, Romanoff has died, um, and then Valentina Allegra de Fontaine um shows up who played by um julia louis dreyfus who showed up in falcon the winter soldier which she was actually supposed to first appear in this and then um which blows my mind because it does not work i don't think it would work that way yeah i think it works much better with her showing up in falcon of the winter soldier yes um and also apparently um so because multiverse of madness was originally supposed to come out before no way home so they they had to be rewritten slightly apparently no shit but yeah so so she shows up says like hey um florence Pugh." Um, this is the person that killed your sister. And um she goes, to find out what happens on Hawkeye, Disney Plus. Subscribe now. Mm. And who am I? You'll have to you'll have to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier now on Disney Plus <laughs> to find out. Uh I hated this. Worst post credit scene in the MCU to date for me. Um wow. it just Even it was worse than fine, I'll do it myself. Worse, yeah. This 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 was the most I've ever felt the cash grabby kind of um yeah just just wanting you to subscribe to disney plus um mm. and i just was was not into that um miss me with that shit as the kids say um so then um what was it shang chi we had um so the first one or what did you what did you anything you want to say about the black widow one Nah, I, just, I didn't really care about it. Yeah. So um, mid-credits scene for Shang-Chi, Wong shows up and um, gets introduced to Shang-Chi and Katie to Bruce Banner, who's now in human form, but still has his arm in a cast, and Carol Danvers. Yeah, that's interesting. Which, um, while, while researching the origin of the Ten Rings, um, and says that they're a beacon to something. Ooh, what's going to happen? Um, but interestingly, because of this post-credits scene, Destin Daniel Creighton uh, is able to keep up his um streak of working with brie larson oh wow and then in the post credit scene uh Zhaling the is the now the leader of the 10 rings and we mm. see that she is now that's uh, um shang chi's brother uh sister sorry and uh yeah she said she was going to disband the organization but she's now keeping the, these are these are all right post credit scenes the one with bruce banner and carol danvers feels um a lot more you know well they both they both interesting feel interestingly enough feel like they are they are hinting toward shang chi 2 and nothing else in the mcu which is rare usually it's for a future movie in the mcu yeah. this feels like it's specifically contained both feel specifically contained to shang chi maybe the one with with carol danvers and bruce banner isn't but it's still if they're talking about well rings, yeah that, that's as much like a he's part of the avengers now kind of thing right yeah 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 um so eternals we've got two credits two credit scenes the mid credits one is athena makari and druig are visited by um this a new eternal um eros who aka star fox who is thanos's brother played by harry styles uh and his assistant pip the troll a very poorly rendered CGI character voiced by Pat Oswalt. And it's just, he gives this long intro explaining who he is. And then, you know, he says, I need your help or some shit. Why is this dude Thanos's brother? What is, what a strange thing to, yeah. like, he doesn't look, he's not even the same species as Thanos. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Harry Styles, cool that he shows up. I like Harry Styles. Um, I think he's yeah. probably one of the best male role models we have at the moment. Well, interesting. Okay. And Pip, Pip the Troll looks like fucking garbage. I hope this is, they <laughs> fix him for the second one. Uh, I mean, cool to hear Patton as well, but yeah. Um, then in the post credit scene, we have Dane Whitman, who is um, the character, the Black Knight. Um, who's talked about in the movie, played by Kit Harrington, talks about, oh, I've got a, my family history is a bit weird. Um, and he opens up this old chest uh, inherited from his ancestors that contains the ebony blade, um, which is the Black Knight's weapon. Uh, and then a voice off screen says, do you think you're ready for that, Dean Whitman? And that voice is an uncredited Mahershala Ali, who uh, has been announced to play Blade. In, in I thought that was film. pretty interesting because I didn't know it was Blade until like a week later. Yeah, <laughs> and and I was just like, I don't know who that is. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's funny. Like I knew he was the Black Knight going into Eternals, and it's like, is there a way that like there's almost like a a subcategory of spoiler with especially with MCU stuff where it's like, if anyone knows character names from the comics, they know that these characters end up being. Mm. or might end up being like because like isn't ned Leeds like become a villain in spider-man becomes hobgoblin well, or something like talking that talking about becoming hobgoblin i don't it? think he will um but yeah the... people, people are still real convinced that he's going to be uh, <laughs> but is that like casting things like the with going back to the black widow one like i didn't know florence Pugh was gonna be in hawkeye and so oh when she's just showed up in the last couple episodes mm. it's been like it, well i've heard that well, sorry well i mean it's just it's just been a situation yeah. of like okay well, i wouldn't this would have potentially been a surprise if yeah. i didn't know this you know? yeah well, again it's like the thing that it's like leaks and all these things just become so pervasive that it's like hard to. but it's different from anything. leaks it's being familiar with the source mm. material and using that to to ruin what i'm not it's not i'm not exactly having it ruined for me knowing that kit harrington is going to be in a future movie as a new superhero i guess yeah. but yeah um and then so what did you think of those ones they were fine none of these are blowing my mind so mm. far though uh, the most exciting thing is blade's voice which i didn't even realize yeah uh then spider-man no way home has two again um we have one which shows where the sixth member of the sinister six was uh which is eddie brock played by tom hardy aka venom um just getting drunk in a bar in mexico with danny rojas from um ted lasso and then they return like so so the venom 2 has a post credit scene where they get transported to the mcu and i described as being like very much like amy pascal being like oh kevin Fe well i was thinking like what if to kevin feige like what if in the, at the end of venom 2 venom goes to the mcu and then kevin's like yeah and then what if he immediately leaves <laughs> what if like, i stab you and you die yeah but then i have invincibility armor on and i don't die um yeah it feels very much i said this on the on the film franchise follow-ups for venom 2 that like it feels like the, for, for years now sony has been the little brother that has been wanting to w play with the big brother who's marvel and now mum has said that you have to take him you have to <laughs> yeah. take him to the sleepover and so i was expecting a lot of stuff to like kind of like dip in quality because of having to associate itself but what's so funny about this is that 
by flashing him away back to to the Sony verse, but a bit of symbiote stays behind. Mm. Uh, benefits the MCU more than it, it doesn't benefit the Sony verse at all. Mm. It gives the MCU a way to introduce the symbiote in a kind of interesting way, yeah. and I, it's just like. It's like fuck! Like, <laughs> what a crazy decision that is! Like, yeah. what, what, what a like, what a what a funny like. I I f- f- could foresee it as like this issue that now like Venom's gonna technically be in the MCU, and I mean it, he still travelled there, so I guess that that line mm. of argument still stands. But like, it's yeah, it's such a funny. I did not expect it to not act, to actually work in Marvel's favour more than more mm. than Sony's. Yeah. And um, then the second post-credit scene we get, uh, or the the post-credit scene we get, is um, just a trailer for Multiverse of Madness, which was yeah cool to yeah see a trailer for the first time on the big screen. Uh, looks quite good. Um, I like yep. the, the dark sort of thing. Um, some of it forgot quite... it was Sam Raimi yep. until two days later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the most kind of interestingly is that. It's like the the greatest threat, Doctor Strange, to the world is you. And we see uh, Strange, Supreme Strange, or Strange Supreme, or whatever they called him, from What If, uh, now in live action. Um, so, What If is canon as well. well? I mean, it always sort of was. But, yeah, okay, so... I liked that as well. Um, I don't think the trailer blew me away, but it was cool f- to see... Especially like um, I th- I I said this to the people I went in the movies with like is Chiwetale Ejiofor like is he has he played the longest game of um we'll bring you back we'll bring you back at the MCU because mm. he he is established as he's going to be the next villain at the end of Doctor Strange a movie mm. that came out Six in twenty sixteen yeah. so so long ago compared to the MCU you know how how quickly they usually push out sequels and like has not been on screen has not been mentioned Doctor Strange has he's putted along and through different things <laughs> but but um yeah like and now finally is coming but like to the point where like i would i would kind of forgive them if they just didn't they just forgot about that story treated him like um the leader from incredible <laughs> yeah Hulk. yeah totally mm. like just because it feels like such an abandoned plot thread um but yeah like yeah good on him <laughs> yeah. um but so that sort of leads nicely into what we're getting next year which is dr strange of the multiverse of madness in may 2022 then thor love and thunder on in july july 8th and then mm-hmm. black panther wakanda forever on november 11th 2022 that's that's getting pushed back surely feels like it because they're still filming well and they de- they delayed it because um one one cast member is kicking up a fuss about vaccinations allegedly um (laughs) yeah and then also i believe next year as well we're getting the guardians of the galaxy um holiday special but that'll be more of a disney plus discussion i think that's a film franchise (laughs) follow-ups episode not a not a review yeah okay so um what 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 do you want to see that as it hasn't been confirmed based on the 2021 slate what do you think of phase four so far what do you what are your what do you uh, movies wise i think they've been reasonably strong i it'll be interesting to see like because the multiverse is obviously mm. what because you've got with loki wandavision no way home and multiverse of madness i very much feel like they're they're mm. setting up something and that's going to be it's going to culminate in multiverse of madness that it's like i wonder okay is this because you know there was the infinity saga 
which was the first three phases is this the multiverse saga um, i think so i think that's that's yeah it feels like that's the that's where they're they're gunning for and like you know canon be damned in a way not in it's it's not canon be damned in the sense that they're ignoring their own canon but like you know and i've made this i've said this a hundred times particularly about deadpool but i've, I've said this a hundred times like did the mcu now technically start in 2002 because that's when yeah, you love Sam Raimi spider. Well, no, but is, is it not a relevant conversation to have? Like, if you're wanting a, it's a relevant conversation. Yes. If if you're wanting a comprehensive viewing party of the MCU, yeah. do should you be watching Venom and the Spider-Man movies and the Deadpool movies? Well, that now? that is the thing that that it's interesting that yeah, I, I did think this interesting while, while watching No Way Home that it's it's crazy for a movie to have required you to watch five unrelated films from almost mm. 20 years ago yeah <laughs> it is crazy i agree yeah it's <laughs> like obviously yeah, they're both spider-man films but they are supposed to be completely different universes that and yeah. they never intended for them to cross over i think is the the big part as well yeah so yeah i don't know i think i, th- I just think that's that's um it's like we talked again we talked about this in the venom uh film franchise follow-ups that like it felt like there was such a quality control on the mcu for so long whether you think they're great or not i'm not saying that i'm more meaning like they they had to they kept sony at arm's length keeping them out until they got to endgame and now it's like it's busted wide open and now we can now we can acknowledge other iterations of characters and and other studios versions of marvel characters and and things like that yeah all this to say i i would i very much want a spider-man 4 i want to see toby Maguire again i'm not so even though it it probably has the more story opportunity i'm not as interested in a um the amazing spider-man 3 i know that's the one that a lot of people are specifically clamoring for i'd rather a a spider-man 4 but fuck it do all of them i actually (laughs) think that would be fine i actually think people would figure it out you know yeah release three three live action spider-man movies in the same year do it you do know it. do it yeah yeah so that is uh yeah marvel's 2021 slate movie wise in two weeks mm. time we are going to talk about um the the five tv shows um but again not going to rewatch them so no um but at least, like with those we have episode breakdowns that we can look at to easily sure. remind ourselves of the plots and stuff like that um yeah well thank you for joining us everybody for our mcu recap part one um next week we're going to be doing the matrix for film franchise Fortnites, and after the tv show marvel um episode uh are we doing most disappointing of yeah so most disappointing will be a little bit later just because of the way holidays are falling and lining up through your mm. schedules and stuff exciting stuff so stay tuned for that everybody and if you liked this please uh check out our earlier mcu episodes um some critically acclaimed podcasts if the critics are people who listen to our podcasts uh and yeah check that out you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow us on youtube um uh, we've got two youtube channels you can also follow us on twitter and instagram you can join our discord there'll be a link to that in the show notes come and tell us genuinely interested what 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 are people's rankings of the various mcu movies this year um and also uh if you want you can join our patreon um which is www.patreon.com slash cold where you can give us all sorts of 
stuff to do like watch different things um or you can contribute to the post credit scene which is something that we're going to do right now Welcome along to the post credit scene, everybody. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, what is the post credit scene today? <laughs> Were you hitting your microphone as you said that? Not the microphone, but I was hitting something. Oh, well, here's a fucking appropriate question. Is it really? Yeah. So this comes to us from Alexander McDonald, who writes, we answered this question in the episode, <laughs> who asks, what would you consider to be your most memorable cinema going experience for good or ill? I mean, mm. the, I, I've answered for good. And like it's def- Endgame and No Way Home are going to be things I've, yeah, I remember same. forever. Yeah. Um, and like I, I've been scrolling through TikTok and Twitter like looking for cinema reaction videos and like and you know when i'm feeling down i will watch in-game cinema reaction videos because they just they give me goosebumps so we can we can answer for for l then um there's two that come to mind one was when i went to see the lion king the 2019 remake which i actually enjoyed the film uh enough you know um cinema was so fucking packed and it's like there's a cinema chain in new zealand specifically like in auckland it's worse that um is like just so much more expensive like you know people have gone about cinema prices these days being ridiculous but it's like literally 26 28 dollars for a ticket kind of thing um and so at two two to twelve dollars more than their competitors and we went there for some reason opening night and like the place was just like packed shoulder to shoulder with people just like a disgustingly huge crowd couldn't move around and like just trying to and it's also like the popcorn is just sitting uh, um like it's it's like a buffet style with popcorn and drinks and stuff like that you grab them off the shelves so there's like no real rhyme or reason to how it works then we got into the cinema the the trailers were so fucking loud i i couldn't like hear people like people next to me talking or like the ads and like not not just trailers because i do like watching the trailers but like the ads were just being blasted it's like i actually like needed to put my hands on my ears just to like you know be able to hear myself think um but then when the movie started i could hear people talking across the other side of the cinema because they were just talking at full volume they're talking at this volume just going blah 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 how's it going yeah whatever and then um as the more than 20 minutes into the movie so after half an hour of trailer trailers because it's they play half an hour's worth of trailers and ads um then 20 minutes into the movie beyond that people were still walking in to the cinema and they had their phones out with the with the torch on trying to and just shining it up not like you know keeping it very low and just trying to keep an eye on like find out what what the row numbers were but like just kind of shining it any which way but loose and then uh spoilers for the lion king when mufasa died um that they, they took flash for people took flash photography of the screen like worst cinema going experience of my life um and the other one is when we you and i when we went together to go see wonder woman 84 last year not only was the movie garbage but um 
again cinema exorbitant cinema prices it was the first big release like that year pretty much due to the pandemic and just the people behind us talked at like a normal volume throughout the whole film people i was forgot how to go to the movies and that's and that's it and it was actually like people have forgotten how to go to the movies and it was like it was the thing that made me be like yeah cinemas need to change or or die <laughs> you know like yeah. um i also a similar sort of situation well, when I, it was actually when i saw far from home um someone walked in late and was trying to find their seat with their phone and was like calling out to someone um and the guy next and i kind of the you know, sitting next to a stranger kind of like you know like did that sort of you know it, like and the guy was like oh yeah this is a, you know you pretend you don't know them kind of thing and i was like oh yeah but didn't really get what he meant by that and then he was like bro bro over here and it was like i was sitting next to the guy's friend <laughs> um and so yeah uh what about you uh, when I went to see The Lorax in 2012 uh, with my sister, I sat bet- between, uh, I sat next to like a mother and a, no, sorry, there was a mother and her kids in front of me. And then I was sitting a couple of rows away from a bunch of 12 year olds. And one of these 12 year olds, the one sitting closest to me, kept like, you know, commenting smart, smart ass comments on the movie throughout. Being, you know re- replying to the characters and, and shit like that and a couple of times the mother sitting in front of us turned around and, and asked them to, to shush and he'd go shh back at her happened like two or three times after the last time it was you know maybe, maybe halfway through the movie i leaned across to him and i said you're not funny you're ruining this for everyone shut the fuck up <laughs> and then he didn't make a noise for the rest of the movie and that for good was the best cinema going experience <laughs> yeah oh my god life. yeah i would i'd be riding so high <laughs> like when you tell someone to get out of your yeah, seat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was the socially distanced seats at the moment um at the, at the cinema we don't have that um, we, don't, I, we don't have socially distanced yeah, seats. yes so we, we have that and but someone's a, a girl sat next right next to me yesterday and i chucked my mask on my seat next to me um, and then so I had to lean over and be like, um, excuse me. And because I like for ages, I was like, I think she's sitting on my mask. Like, what should I do anything? And then so I had to lean over and be like, hey, can, sorry, I think you're sitting on my mask. And then she was like, oh my God. And then I was like, I'm glad. Like, imagine if I just hadn't said anything and then, or like hadn't noticed and then get to the end of this like two and a half hour movie and just this girl's butt has just been on my mask. And then I have to, wear, yeah, I have dude. to wear it out of there. Hell yeah, it'd be yeah. fucking hot. 